Welcome to Discussions with DITRA, where the Defense Threat Reduction Agency brings together subject matter experts to discuss meeting today's challenges of WMD and emerging threats and increase awareness. And now, today's show. Hello, and welcome to Discussions with DITRA. This is Darnell Gardner with DITRA Public Affairs, and I'll be your facilitator for today's podcast. So during this podcast, we'll be recognizing the agency's efforts to raise awareness about breast cancer. So at this time, I'd like to introduce our moderator, Ms. Claudia Vaz-Charamella, a member of DITRA's Directors Action Group, or more commonly known as the DAG. So without further ado, Ms. Charamella, if you will. Hello, DITRA family. I am Claudia Vaz-Charamella, part of a group of six professional experts supporting Ms. Hersman as a director's action group, known as the DAG. Today I'm here with two healthcare professionals, Dr. Pamela Fine, family nurse practitioner, and Michelle Humphrey, registered nurse and certified wellness coach. We are here to help spread the word about the importance of breast cancer. As the Breast Cancer Awareness Month runs through October 1st um, until October 31st, In our lifetime, this disease will affect one of our colleagues or a loved one. We want to educate ourselves and everyone listening to this podcast about early detection and the causes leading to breast cancer. Knowledge and early detection can save lives. So today we're here to discuss the Breast Cancer Awareness Podcast. So let's get started. What is breast cancer? So that's a great question, Claudia. I think that breast cancer is not that different than any other cancers. It's just a growth of abnormal cells in the body Mm -hmm. that kind of overtakes an area, and this just happens to be in the breast. It can be identified as just a very hard fixed lump, meaning you can't move it around. Mm -hmm. And that's just where all of those abnormal cells kind of collect and stick to one another and just begin to grow and grow. What are the risks of breast cancer? So there's two different categories of risks when we talk about risks for any disease process. Mm -hmm. There's non-modifiable risk factors, which are things that you can do nothing about. And then there's modifiable risk factors, and those are things that that you can change. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the non-modifiable risk factors, things you cannot do anything about. The first is your age. So the older you are, the more at risk you are for developing breast cancer. Mm -hmm. The next is gender. Obviously, females are more at risk than men. There's nothing we can do about that. It's just how we were born, right? Your race and ethnicity uh, also plays a role. Caucasians are actually more uh, diagnosed more often. Mm -hmm. However, other ethnic groups and other races have a higher death rate. And that has, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Your genetics. So there's a lot of talk in a lot of breast cancer circles and on the news about the, the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. It's the BRCA gene, and they call that the breast cancer gene. And you don't have control over your, if you're going to inherit that gene or not into your body. And then there is some debate over environmental factors, whether it be pollution or 
chemicals or plastics, some of them can be modifiable, but there's not really even been direct links as far as if there's, it, depending on how much exposure you have, if you actually are, those environmental factors are a direct cause. Right. And then Michelle's going to talk a little bit about the modifiable risk factors. So um, some of the modifiable risk factors, the first one is diet. Our body is our temple and we are what we eat. So we have to think about back in the day, uh, products were organic because there were less pesticides. Now we have to think about the things that are put on our foods that we ingest in our body, whether it's hormones in the animal feed, whether it's um, pesticides on the, um, on the foods that we eat to make them look nice like hmm. a nice apple versus an apple that's deformed or mal-shaped. Another thing is carrying excess weight because that it also is an indicator that we're not, we're consuming more calories than we're actually burning more calories. So that can also contribute to a, an increased risk factor. Another one is our sedentary lifestyle because we're, we're no longer manual workers. We don't work in the fields like we used to, so we're not getting that exercise like we used to. So we're sitting down a lot more, which means we're ultimately burning less calories. So that, uh, again, increases our weight and increases our risk factor. Um, not having children before the age of 40 is also um, being found to be a uh, increase your risk factor as well as not giving ch giving birth to children at all is also re increased your risk and last but not least is oral contraception can also increase your risk and then we're not talking about hormone replacement therapy as in when you're in menopause but it more so oral contraceptions wow all of those factors for me is news to me mm -hmm. as well and and me being a 30 year old woman I was never aware of all the factors that could cause breast cancer or lead to it. Um, but it's good to know you can modify it too in a you, way. You definitely can, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I find really that uh, in my practice in general that people really, the general population, is not fully aware of mm. what the appropriate alcohol intake is for men and women. Mm. And the size matters. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so knowing how much a glass of wine a serving is considered five ounces mm. not eight or more <laughs> well you make a good point dr fine because we know that if you drink more than two two to five glasses a, a week two to three glasses i'm sorry a week then that also increases your risk as mm. does smoking because mm -hmm. we're putting something into our body that is not naturally occurring. Right. And right. it's taking. easily modifiable. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. When should we get screened for breast cancer? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. Um, it depends. And it depends on who you talk to and mm -hmm. who you ask. There's a lot of different medical organizations that have really debated on when you should start mammograms, when you should, when or if you should do a self-breast exam, um, things of that nature. So overall, um, the American Cancer Society and the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they're kind of the two overarching bodies that put down most the most 
utilized um, or the most common guidelines. And so for them, the first thing is that you should always have a conversation with your healthcare provider mm -hmm. that just because you're 30 or just because you're 35 or 40 doesn't mean that you should or shouldn't mm -hmm. have a mammogram or do a self-breast exam. Right. It means you should talk to your provider about what your specific risk factors are, the ones we all just discussed, mm -hmm. and then decide what's gonna be the best plan for you. So overall, in general, we as healthcare providers, regular mammography should start at age 40. Okay. Okay, and so some organizations will say every year, and, but most agree that every one to two years from the age of 40 to 49, you should have a mammogram. From 50 to 75 years old, you should have a mammogram every year. Over 75, it's definitely based on your risk factors, symptoms, history, mm -hmm. things of that nature. And they also look at what your, if you have a life expectancy that is less than 10 years, they may say, well, the benefit doesn't really outweigh the risk, mm -hmm. okay? Overall, ages, women ages 25 to 40, should have a clinical breast exam, mm -hmm. which is a breast exam that's performed by their provider, whether that's an OBGYN, a family practice provider, every one to three years. So when you go in, it, it promotes you to go in and have your regular checkups, your regular exams, that you should have that clinical breast exam done every one to three years. So what's really changed over the last few years is that the days of starting in late teens or college age, mm -hmm. every month you do your self-breast exam, mm -hmm. right? So that's not recommended anymore. And the reason for that is because there was a lot of false positives and it caused mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety in people. And it cost a lot of healthcare dollars of ultrasounds, mammograms, biopsies, a lot of real unnecessary stress really right for the person also getting the results yeah exactly and so we've really moved away from that and it's really caused a shift in thinking in our communication with our with our patients and with women in general and so now it's about breast awareness and body awareness yeah I think it's important for for women and men to know your body know you, when your body is changing know the changes that are occurring it's like anything when we 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 know when we're getting gray hair we have a <laughs> visible sign and it's mm -hmm. obvious that we you know some of us want to gray and some of us want to color it it's the same as knowing your body know your body and know the changes that are occurring and that way when something is occurring you can go and seek medical treatment or medical advice as soon as possible and that's I think really the key is just knowing and for some people that it women it is going to be doing a monthly self-breast exam for others it's going to be just looking in the mirror before they get in the shower every every morning or every evening it, it's going to be different for everyone right. and really talking to your healthcare provider about what that looks like for you mm -hmm. and how you should um, screen yourself 
and then when you need to go see your provider for screening, that conversation is all based on what your individual needs are. Right, trusting also your doctor to be vulnerable in sharing the symptoms or signs that you're seeing, right? Absolutely. Or a loved one or somebody that you care about that can help you kind of walk through this. Absolutely, you're right. Mm -hmm. So I know we've talked a lot about women's health, but can men also get breast cancer? Men can get breast cancer, and while it's not common, when they do get diagnosed with breast cancer, it is usually late stage. Wow. So in our country, about just over 2,000 men every year will be diagnosed with breast cancer. And while that number doesn't seem like a lot, considering the size of our population, mm -hmm. almost 20% of those men will die from wow. the disease. So it's a very, very high, what we call a high mortality rate. Mm -hmm because it's detected late. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when men complain of chest pain. chest pain or they feel a lump in their chest, mm -hmm. it's usually accounted to exercise. Like, oh, you uh, must have pulled a muscle or, there. Okay. Yeah. Or um, a hormone. Oh, your testosterone level might be high or low. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. It's Breast cancer is definitely not the first thing Sign. that pops in mm -hmm. your head when, oh, I have a lump in my chest. Um, I will say that the majority of cancers found in men are actually behind the nipple or the areola, which is the tissue surrounding the nipple. Mm -hmm. That's where the majority of cancers are found, which makes it even harder to find, right? Right. And so again, we want men to be aware of their bodies and know when there's a change. There is no screening for breast cancer in men. Is there an age range that usually they, there's a detection of probably when men do or seem it, to get breast cancer? Most men are diagnosed at the age of 50 or older. Okay, wow. Mm -hmm. And if you do have symptoms and you do feel like you have a change in your breast tissue, mm -hmm. uh, if you look in the mirror and one breast looks larger than the other, that's a sign Science. that something else could be wrong. Generally speaking, your provider would then do a clinical breast exam, mm -hmm. and then they would order either an ultrasound or a CAT scan of your chest because there is no mammography for men. For men. The, okay. the equipment itself is not doesn't not work right that way. way. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. I I didn't know any of those facts or information, so it's good to also share awareness with men. And I didn't know a lot about men's breast cancer or men either. I, I worked a lot with a foundation, a national breast cancer foundation for many years, and that was the first time I had been exposed to it. So that was probably about 15, 15 to 17 years ago. Mm. And so that that's when I became aware of it because just like the most mainstream, it's not something that's advertised. It's right. not something you think about, mm -hmm. and it's not talked about a lot. Right, which we should share more of that as well. And I think it's important because of that, that 20%, that figure is huge when you look at the ultimately the population that's diagnosed every year. 20% mm -hmm. of that small population is, is actually Quite a lot impressive. higher than mm -hmm. in the female population. So, um, you know, the other thing is men are less likely to seek medical attention as early. Mm -hmm. um, obviously putting it off to something else as, as Dr. Fine said. So as we've become more aware, as bre breast cancer has increased in its awareness, 
but women it also has for men as well right the research has evolved yes. and the information has absolutely been it has and I, I think overall what once was a very sensitive topic, mm -hmm. um, we're reducing stigma, not just for women in breast cancer, but also men, that mm -hmm. it's not to be ashamed of. It's not, it's okay to talk about it, because when we talk about it, which is why we're here today, we save people's lives. That's right, and it could affect everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Breast cancer can definitely affect us in many ways. Um, can you discuss some of the mental health challenges related to being diagnosed with breast cancer? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think body image is a, a big thing that we talk about as men and women, we first impressions count, right? Mm -hmm. When we look at somebody, we look at the body image. So that's important to most of us. There's always something that we're not happy with, but we're, we, we're, we're quite aware of our body and we know what's supposed to be there and what's not supposed to be there. So when we look at body image, when something is taken away or something is altered, we're consciously aware of that factor and it can affect our self-esteem. And when it affects our self-esteem, then the other things can come into play. For example, if you're having treatment for breast cancer, that can cause anxiety and that can cause depression. Mm -hmm. Also, when you've had a mastectomy or a lumpectomy, something's taken out or the breast is fully removed, then people look at themselves in the mirror and yearn for the person that they were. So that can affect their self-esteem because their body image is not what they used to be. Right. So when we look at um, the mental health issues, it's about what I used to be and what I am now. Um, you know, there's a, it's very, mm -hmm. yeah, because self-esteem is important to most of us mm -hmm. right um, and so is our self-well-being self-love and our self-worth so when we look at our altered body image we have to look at how we can best cope with the loss whatever mm -hmm. that may be to each person I think there's always a sense of and this is not just with breast cancer but um, I think that people who have been diagnosed with cancer in general have a sense of shame and guilt. Hmm. What did I do? Why me? You blame and yourself. Blame yeah. yourself. What could I have done differently? Mm -hmm. And there certainly are some factors, but there's really no set link between any one particular thing. It's usually a, a combination of those I can change this, I can't change this, mm -hmm. right? Um, but when you're going through it, it's very difficult to to see that. And so shame and guilt kind of take over and they, why me? Although others take it as a opportunity mm -hmm. to maybe change their lifestyle mm -hmm. if they were participating or engaging in a lot of risky behaviors. And they also be some people become very, women in particular, become very empowered hmm. to talk about their journey and talk, you know, and it becomes, it's very personal, but they kind of almost make it their, their mess mission, is their yeah. mission, right? Isn't that what Robin, Robert says? Yeah. <laughs> my mess is my mission. And so they make it a point of making a difference in someone else's life. Right. Talking about it, discussing it. Yeah. Sharing it. And another thing you have to think about is how society sees people, women, mm -hmm. men, 
body image, right? Yeah. Everybody, when you look at magazines, there's the ideal woman, whatever that ideal woman may be. If it's Vogue, if it's GQ, you know, there's an ideal person. And, and people often think about that person and think that they should look like that person. Mm -hmm. So when you look at people that have had altered body image, it just solidifies the fact that there's something wrong with you when you have something taken out or some piece missing because that's not the way society believes that a woman or a man should look like. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think that that's why the support groups that are available for breast yes. cancer mm -hmm. are, they can be very helpful. They are definitely not for everyone. You have to be comfortable with that and comfortable mm -hmm. with sharing and that means, you know, you have to be comfortable being a little bit vulnerable right. and you've already been vulnerable because of what you've gone through mm -hmm. right and so it's definitely not for everyone but I think that um, the resources alone that you can get from support group or from usually breast centers will have programs available and resources that maybe an online forum or mm -hmm. a, a, a chat forum mm -hmm. you know there's so many different technologies out there now to offer support without you having to make yourself vulnerable by going you know into a into a conference room with you know mm -hmm. five other women or five other men that have been diagnosed and and talk about your journeys it's it's not for everyone but finding a support system is critical mm -hmm. when it comes to maintaining or getting back your mental well-being after being diagnosed. Absolutely, I think it's um, it's relationship building, but right. it's also you and I going through the same thing, similar kind of, so I can understand what you're going through. So it, it's a nurturing relationship that is built through these support groups where people like you have been through the same thing or have are going through the same thing. So uh, me understanding what you're going through helps me helps my mindset and helps me to better recover mm -hmm. feeling supported right there's a sense of community and encouragement right to talk Absolutely. about it through and, and relate to what each other's mm -hmm. are feeling or going through right mm -hmm. and especially too like maybe what if you have lost your loved one and that's all you have so a sense of, of having friends and companionship as well absolutely and I think that having if you are someone who has a friend or a family member mm -hmm. going through their cancer journey, being there for them exactly. is important. And even though they may not be asking you for to be their support person, mm -hmm. you can be there in little ways just by a little, you know, checking in on you text or just wanted to say hi or drop a little card in the mail thinking of you. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be, or hey, there's a new movie out. Do you want to go to the movies? Right, or trying to get themselves out of that space. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Get them back to doing things that they normally would have enjoyed doing prior right. to their diagnosis because a lot of people become scared. And, you know, a lot of cancer survivors, um, they do change a lot of things in their lives, not always for the positive. Sometimes it's withdrawing from the things that they've always or loved like to do. like the depressed, right, the pressures. Right, and so if you see that happening to your loved one or your family member or your friend or even a neighbor, just a little bit of engagement mm -hmm. can, you don't know 
how positive of an in impact that could have on that person. Right, could go a long way. And it's important to validate those feelings, right? Because exactly. I don't, I may not know how you're feeling because I've never been through that. Mm -hmm. Been through, you know, breast cancer or, or a mastectomy or a lumpectomy, but I'm validating that those feelings are real. There's a feeling of loss. There's a feeling of hopelessness and sometimes a feeling of just isolation. Mm -hmm. So when we think about mental health, those things can be overcome just by relationship building, just by, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, do you, feel, do you feel like going out for coffee this morning? Or do you want to come to Starbucks? I'm going, you know, those mm -hmm. kind of things just to encourage somebody, A, to get out, um, B, to be around other people and know that life does go on, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but it does, it mm -hmm. goes on. Um, so that loss is, is, is about embracing who I am now, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Cause I think that any diagnose, any chronic disease diagnosis, not just cancer, you mm -hmm. have to adjust to the new normal. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. what can I do now that I wasn't, you know, that I, or what can't I do now? And, and then how can I balance that? Right. And how, you know, and how I can make my life just as productive as I was before. Mm -hmm. Right. Getting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it could consume you even more, just feeling a little bit isolated or mm -hmm. stop letting go of the things you like to do or seeing the people that were always there for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But making sure that you have some level of support if of you're diagnosed, mm -hmm. but more often than not, it's going to come from the people who surround you yeah. coming to talk to you and and lift you up, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, for your time today. Thank you for sharing breast cancer awareness. Thank you for this podcast. I've learned a lot of things, and I think our Detroit family has as well. If you feel any symptoms or signs, please talk to your doctor and reach out to Ms. Pamela and Ms. Michelle for any other questions. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more podcasts, don't forget to subscribe on Google Play and Spotify or wherever you listen. You can find out more about DITRA at DTRA.MIL.